So I'm pretty confident that if I saw Nolan Arenado in public, whether it be like an airport or a Golden Corral, I would probably give him just an intense hug, just like Javi Baez did. Because if you watch the play, it's like they kind of ran into each other. But I think it was also fate and destiny that had something to do with it because Javi held on to Nolan Arenado pretty hard. Like it didn't look like a, let me just stop the impact because you're a big dude, Nolan. But it was kind of like a full on Kate Beckinsale, John Cusack embrace. I'm not too sure what was happening with it. I think, I personally think Javi Baez was like, we got two guys on right now. We can't afford a double play. So I'm going to hug Nolan Arenado and just see how it feels. And kind of at the same time, just see what happens. Because I want to know how this guy hits a ball so far. And also plays gold glove defense at third base. But also, like, I don't want my team to get a double play. So let's just see what happens here. Because Javi Baez is such like a baseball mind. He's kind of like a genius on the base pass, right? Like he might be like Albert Einstein in a baseball uniform. And I truly think Javi Baez was like, screw it. I'm just going to give this guy a hug and we're going to see what happens. And low key, it worked because Nolan Arenado like laughed it off. If Nolan would have tried to throw to second, it would have been an automatic interference double play. But because Javi hugged him, Javi embraced him with the love that only the Windy City can give. And Nolan kind of laughed it off. And then the next batter was Vic Caratini. And if he hits a game winner, this conversation's a lot different. But he grounded out, so all was well. But it was love. It was love. I'll tell you that. Let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? This is The Greatest Show on Dirt. This is Wednesday, so it's one day after the National League wildcard game, and it was a really good game. It was the longest sudden-death elimination game in the history of elimination games. It was, for sure, baseball history that just went down. It was grueling. You know, I, um, I've been tired all day from the game. You know, to be a part of a game like that, you know, we played 13 innings. Because as a fan, I feel like you truly play 13 innings. Like myself, right? I didn't run the bases, right? I was not at Wrigley Field. I was at my home. But I did eat, like, five huge plates of pasta. I ate a whole box of corn dogs and drank a half a gallon of chocolate milk because October baseball stresses me out. I stress eat when October baseball comes, right? Like a wild card game, even though my team lost because I am a Cubs fan, I still love a wild card game more than anything, but it is stressful on my body, you know, so I'm going to take the winter off because just like every baseball season comes along, I gain about 20 pounds from ballpark food, 
You know, my doctor tells me that I, I can't live off hot dogs, but I say, how dare you? I just live the whole summer on hot dogs. But, you know, so I'm going to I'm going to rebound. And, you know, that's what the Chicago Cubs are going to do as well. It's going to be a long winter. They're going to have to do a lot of rebounding. And one of the most surprising things coming out of this Chicago Cubs loss are what Tim Kirchin quoted as whispers if Joe Madden would be on the hot seat, if Joe Madden could be fired, and if the Chicago Cubs would let him go and move in another direction. Now, as we found out today that Theo Epstein has said that Joe Madden is going to coach in 2019, but they are not offering him an extension, so that's not going to happen. And Theo Epstein did say that we'll explore the extension after the 2019 season. They want to be able to evaluate everything, which to me is a fair play because you have to see how next season goes because it's the Chicago Cubs, as they sit right now, they have regressed from what they did in 2015. So from performance-wise, you know, they won 95 wins, right? That's great, but... Performance and results, they speak the truth. And to take the 2018 Cubs and compare them to the 2015 Cubs, this is the same group of guys, these same young guys that have built up this experience from two NLCSs, two NLCS losses and a World Series victory, and all of this experience. And now they've stepped backwards, where in a 48 hour span, they went from having the best record in the National League to, as Anthony Rizzo said, sitting at home and grilling because that's what's happening to them right now. And one of the things I wanted to bring up, because whether you're a Cubs fan or not, obviously, me being a Cubs fan, I try not to make this podcast too partisan, right? I try to be a bipartisan guy, and I'll always try to relate anything that might be going on with my team to what could be going on with your team. And one of the main questions about this whole thing is should Joe Madden be on the hot seat, right? What do we do with coaches? So Paul Molitor, the Minnesota Twins coach, he was just fired yesterday. And last season, he was the American League Manager of the Year, and he led the Minnesota Twins to a wild card game. And then we saw Dusty Baker get fired at the end of last season when he took the Washington Nationals to what I believe was a 97-win season. And Dusty Baker was fired Dave Martinez, a Joe Madden prodigy, was brought in, and the Washington Nationals just had an awful season. I would say if you took any major league baseball team and looked at their expectations coming into the season and then how the season ended, the Washington Nationals could likely be the biggest disappointment in all of baseball. I had picked the Nationals and the Yankees to go to the World Series because I thought they were the two teams that were the most equipped from top to bottom when it came to the bullpen, one through eight in the batting order, the starting pitching that the team offered, and the momentum and the experience that they had built up. And for some strange reason, we didn't see that with the Washington Nationals, and we're not seeing that with the Chicago Cubs. So the question I have in my head is how long do you keep a manager on your team before you ship him off and let him go? So if you were to ask me right now, should the Cubs move on from Joe Madden, should the Washington Nationals have moved on from Dusty Baker? My answer is going to be no 100% of the time, and here's why. If a team like the Chicago Cubs or what the Washington Nationals went through last year, 
and really what the Washington Nationals just went through this year, I truly believe that a team needs to go through these huge failures together. And it's very important to strengthen anything in your team where you can, but mostly keep the majority of that together because I really feel that for a team to build off of these huge failures and these losses, that you need to keep the nucleus of the team together. And one of the reasons why I disagreed so much with the Dusty Baker move last winter was I felt that the Washington Nationals were growing as a team and clubhouse chemistry is so big. Clubhouse chemistry is obviously so big, right? How else would you explain an Oakland Athletics team or a Tampa Bay Rays team just completely blowing their expectations out of the water and doing much, much better than what they're expected to do. That has to do with the clubhouse that you walk into every day and the environment that you walk in every day, right? How are the Yankees good after so many years or the St. Louis Cardinals year in and year out? You know, they're always competing and it has to do with the culture, and to uproot your coach of your Major League Baseball team because your players scored two runs in 22 innings and choked in the NLDS or whatever that reason may be. It's not necessarily fair to the coach, right? Because the GM is the GM and the owners are going to build this team up, up and it's up to the coach to do what he can with that team. And there's nothing Joe Madden did last night that would lead me to believe that, oh, he should have done better and that was bad. That's not the case at all, 100%. Joe Madden caught a lot of crap about his bullpen management during the Brewers' 163 game, you know, the tiebreaker. And I Googled Joe Madden, and the first two articles I read were articles that were saying how Joe Madden blew it and this was the bullpen's fault. But it's absolutely not Joe Madden's fault, and it's absolutely not the bullpen's fault that the Cubs lost. This was a team effort, but specifically in this situation, it was an off- the offense that let the team down. And that's the reason that they're going to be grilling, you know, vegan burgers in the offseason or whatever the hell athletes cook that have to eat clean. I have no idea. I don't eat a vegan turkey burger, right? But, you know, they're going home and it's because of the offense. Two runs in 22 innings, right? So with teams like the Washington Nationals and the Chicago Cubs, there are fundamental changes that need to occur. But when you have baseball people like Joe Madden or Dusty Baker that have been in the game for so long, I don't doubt these guys' ability to change something into the clubhouse. And it's a matter of whether it's approach or confidence, I'm not too sure. But I can tell you this, I think the Cubs should keep Joe Madden. I don't think he should be on the hot seat. Obviously, they are going to keep him for 2019. But these losses aren't the coach's fault. And every player will tell you that, that a loss isn't the coach's fault. And post-game, Anthony Rizzo and John Lester both spoke out heavily in favor of Joe Madden. I think Anthony Rizzo is quoted as saying that Joe coached his ass off, and this was probably the best season that he coached because he did so much with so little. This was a 95-win team that had a $126 million pitcher that didn't pitch, had another $38 million pitcher that walked more people than a crossing guard at a grade school, And just amongst other things, you had Chris Bryant, who missed the majority of the season and hit 13 home runs this year. 
Right, when things like that happen, you're in pretty bad shape. Addison Russell just got a 40-game suspension. Addison Russell will probably never be in a Cubs uniform again, and I absolutely would not blame the Chicago Cubs for it. I would try to trade him. Um, if if he wasn't, if I couldn't move him, I guess I would just cut him loose. But I don't think there's any way you can keep a guy like that on your team. And part of me feels like that the Chicago Cubs team is still a bit young and immature just because, and I, I would be the same way, but the question in my head is this, how difficult is it for these 23-year, 24, 25-year-old kids to win a World Series, break a 108-year-old curse, and have all of this on their back at such a young age, there's no doubt that this team still isn't mature yet. And I don't mean that as a dig to say, oh, that's just an immature team. They're not disciplined enough. But there are certain things that kind of snuck out that say, whoa, like what's up with that? Like when you got guys like Schwarber and Contreras not running out fly balls, and then when the ball gets dropped or goes off the wall, they're standing at first base, right? Like those things can't happen. And I don't say that in the sense of, oh, they can't happen, keep the game pure. This isn't an unwritten rule thing. This is a playing hard thing, right? Last season, Bryce Harper was running hard to first base and basically nearly broke his leg into two pieces, right? That's the kind of way you have to hustle and you have to win in this game and you've got to do it by playing hard. And it's some of that's in question. I don't know the culture that's in the clubhouse or what exactly is happening, but there is a fundamental change that needs to happen with the Chicago Cubs in their clubhouse. And it, it really doesn't have anything to do with the coach, right? The players are... They're behind him 100%. I do not think Joe Madden should be on the hot seat. There were a couple decisions that I didn't necessarily agree with when it came to Joe Madden. Like, number one, when he took John Lester out of the game in favor of a Tommy LaStella pinch hit. I I didn't agree with that for... Well, here's where I'm going to start with. So when John Lester finished his sixth inning of pitching, it was a huge huge strikeout. John Lester comes off the mound, ton of emotion, lets off this loud scream like he's Goku going Super Saiyan 3, and there's no doubt in my mind that John Lester, he is an influencer in that clubhouse, right? People look at John Lester, and he is a driving force. He He's a motivator. He's a guy that leads by example, and when people see him succeeding and fired up and on the mound, inning in, inning out, that's a huge motivation for the team and could have been a huge motivation for the offense. I get that you had to put, it was actually Ian Happ, I believe, that was the pinch hitter, but I get you want to get that extra offensive at-bat in the game. But when you know your whole entire team collectively is just doing the opposite of hitting the baseball, right? Just They're playing awful. I don't know that pinch hitting for John Lester and putting Ian Happ to the plate, I don't think that was more impactful than it would have been to let John Lester stay on that mound, get into the seventh, get into the eighth, and let the whole dugout see Johnny Lester grind because – That's who John Lester is to this team. He's the grinder. He's the motivator. He's the guy that's in the dirt, blood, sweat, and tears that lights a fire under every other ball player's ass that says, damn it, we got to win for this guy. And essentially, Joe Madden took him out at the peak 
of his pitching. And that's what I didn't like. And, you know, I start to wonder in my head, you know, where does, you know, where, when do we look at sabermetrics then at the effectiveness that we can see with our own eyes and then also determining the momentum that a player has that you won't see on a spreadsheet because October baseball isn't July baseball. Hell, October baseball isn't September baseball. Just turn on the TV and you can feel the difference, right? It's like buying generic cereal versus buying like Fruity Pebbles, right? Like, I don't want Dino, I don't want like dinosaur fruit chews or whatever. Like, I want the real deal Fruity Pebbles. And that's kind of what this whole thing is like with October baseball. October baseball is name brand cereal. July baseball is fruit rocks, right? That's all it is. And that's kind of like my one thing when it comes to Joe Madden, I believe, is a really, this isn't really a Joe Madden thing, but this has to do with a lot of coaches. And you'll hear a lot of old school baseball people talk about this. It's just, hey man, like I get the saber metrics and those things come into play, but open your eyeballs. And last night when I'm looking at John Lester just go forever, and then all of a sudden get pulled when he's like at 80-something pitches for a pinch hitter and Ian Happ, who did draw a walk, but when the whole offense is struggling, my thought in my head is, how do I get this offense fired up? Well, let's keep my leader on the mound and let him play this damn game and let him set the example. But instead, John Lester was hit for and was back in the clubhouse cleaning up and sat on the bench the whole rest of the night. I personally didn't like that move. And I don't like that move that a lot of coaches do. I don't think, I think Major League Baseball coaches, they just don't get the chance to look enough at, okay, what am I seeing with my eyes and what does this moment call for? Because I truly believe in the clutch gene and momentum and these sorts of things. And also, Cole Hamels was only able to pitch, I believe, the 10th inning and the 11th inning before they had to pinch hit for him in a similar situation just because we wanted a position player to be up to bat. But then again, my thought process in that situation was when they hit for Cole Hamels. The reason I didn't agree with that decision, because I thought to myself, the Cubs' offense is slumping so bad, they might need another nine innings to score another run. And I knew with Cole Hamels and his pedigree, a very John Lester-like 2008 World Series MVP, there was no doubt in my mind that Cole Hamels probably could have pitched nine innings of shutout ball, and this game just could have went 18 innings. And you could have just put Cole Hamels on cruise control, treated this thing just like another baseball game and just waited it out for the Cubs to score another run because it might have took another nine innings to do it. And I know Cole Hamels has it in him. You know, the whole pitching staff for the Cubs, they were pretty much shutting down the Colorado Rockies offense anyway. And there's no doubt in my mind Cole Hamels could do it. He's got the talent to do it. He's got the toughness to do it. He's got the cold ice water in his veins to knock him down, and it didn't happen. And my question is this, when do, you know, when does momentum take over sabermetrics and, you know, become more important than what the spreadsheets say on an iPad? And I think definitely in October that that those sorts of things need to be looked at a little more. And, you know, we kind of saw that with Aaron Boone tonight when he sent Luis Severino out for the fifth inning when he was really laboring. But I give Aaron Boone props during tonight's Yankees-A's game 
which isn't over yet, but I think the Yankees are probably going to win. It's like six to nothing. I give Aaron Boone props for a move like that because obviously the data would probably say don't put Severino back out on the mound. But there is that momentum thing. You know, there's this, this just drive that you can inject in your team by taking the human element and getting your clubhouse hyped up and getting them determined to win based on today, not based on the last year of spreadsheets, but to really light a fire in the clubhouse based on a performance that you're seeing, right? Like data would tell us that Michael Jordan shouldn't play basketball when he has the flu, but he dominated when he had the flu, right? There's this human element of playing sports where if you see it, you see the pitcher or you see the hitter or the fielder grinding through blood, sweat, and tears, you know, continuing to perform when they're exhausted or they're not at their best or things aren't going great, but they're still finding success. When you can latch on to that beautiful element of human competition, you've got to hold on to it. And that's what October baseball needs. I think that's something that teams like the Chicago Cubs and the Washington Nationals are going to have to find in 2019 is that this, this what I, I call it, this beautiful human element of human competition, blood, sweat, tears, pain, the whole nine. Like it's, it's sort of borderlines on the line of anger and not this new manager style of the glasses half full optimism, which I love when I go to work because my job sucks. So I tell myself the glass is half full, but in competition, in my eyes, there's no room for the glasses half full, right? If I'm a manager, as I sit here in my chair, right? So before you, you know, punch your fist on your keyboard, I get it. I'm playing armchair manager. I understand. That's why I started the podcast so I could do stupid stuff like this. But if I'm that manager, you know, that's kind of one of the things I'm going to hold on to. But yeah, if I'm a manager and my team just gets smoked eight to nothing and I have a starter that goes out there and throws three innings and gives up six runs, or if I have my MVP hitter who puts up a golden zombrero, I'm not likely to sit in the clubhouse post-game during an interview and say, well, yeah, you know, he, he really, you know, executed some good pitches. Like, no, he didn't. Like, your pitcher didn't execute good pitches. He gave up six earned in three innings. And that's what I see in a lot of managers. And that's probably my one beef with Joe Madden. And then you also get that with guys like Dave Martinez and just like a lot of these new age managers that just come through, like Gabe Kapler. And they just want to be like everything's hunky-dory, right? Like, are you afraid to tell your players that they sucked ass and don't need to strike out four times? Because you can't tell me that your pitcher had good stuff tonight when he gave up six runs and three innings, and those are the sorts of things that happen. And I think any time that a team is loaded with players but they're not succeeding is because there's not like that anger factor in there, that determined factor, you know, because in their head everything's pretty good. Like, oh, if we just go out there and execute, we should win. And if we don't win, then why don't really know what to say? No, it's okay to be a little pessimistic in sports, right? I think this anger and pessimism I think that's what drives success, right? Like Michael, I go back to the Michael Jordan thing. He was really angry when he didn't make his high school baseball team. There are a lot of athletes that succeed and they go back to that exact moment 
of that failure when they were rejected and didn't make the team or when they failed. And then they use that failure failure to channel this sort of anger and drive on and improve in the areas that they need to. And I think most definitely when as we've closed out this 2018 season and we look at a big disappointment like the Chicago Cubs or like the Washington Nationals, I don't think these teams need to get rid of their managers or anything like that. I think their number one thing needs to be this mentality of, hey, the glass isn't half full. We sucked ass, and we've got to win next time, and we've got to do this because we were just embarrassed on our home field twice in two nights. Then when you look at the Nationals that have all these tools, it was embarrassing. We had the best pitcher in baseball, the best hitter in the National League, and all of these pieces on our team, and we let the young upstart Phillies and Atlanta Braves destroy us the whole entire season and keep us out of our division. This is our division. I want to see some anger happen with these teams. I want to see drive happen, and that's what's going to separate success from a 95 win season and an early exit into the postseason and that's what I would like to see next year and I I think that's beyond important Uh, you are listening to the greatest show on dirt we're at minute 25 thank you so much for listening let's get us another topic well okay so we we've got to talk about the Colorado Rockies so the Rockies don't make the postseason very often last time they did was last year Uh, the last time they made a divisional round of the postseason, I believe was in 2009. And that was when Rocky's ace, Kyle Freeland, was about 11 years old. What's that make you, like a fifth grader or something? Like, their ace was a fifth grader the last time this happened. And I'm guessing, you know, the Rockies play in the NL West. So if you're listening to this podcast, unless you're out West, you probably don't watch a lot of Rockies baseball. But I'm a Cubs fan, right? But I'm also a baseball fan. I love good baseball. So try not to get that twisted as me being like a fair weather Cubs fan or any of that sort of thing, right? Like if you stab me in the heart right now, like blue liquid would come out on top of like years and years of just artery clogging from like old style beer and like bratwurst and hot dogs and stuff. Like that's how I live my life, right? It's not healthy. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to live my life. I do what I got to do. You understand? But the Colorado Rockies have a really good baseball team right now. They were beyond impressive during this wild card game. And I know the Cubs were slumping offensively. So question number one is this, did the Rockies win this game or did the Cubs lose this game? The Rockies won the game. The Rockies won this game with composure. Kyle Freeland came out on three days rest. He had never made a start on this short of rest from a previous start. I think, yeah, he he never made a start on this short of rest, right? It's never happened in his life. Um, Kyle Freeland's a guy who pitched in Coors Field and won, I think, 10 games at Coors this season with a sub three earned run average. So Coors Field's a launching pad. It's basically like Houston, we have a problem if you're a pitcher because if you throw a baseball at a batter, it's probably going to go closer to 500 feet out of the park. I don't know if there's actually gravity in Denver, Colorado at Coors Field, but Kyle Freeland is like some sort of like baseball whisperer and his composure, his mound presence last night, he did not look shook at all. It was as if he started the game, 
supremely confident in his abilities, knew exactly what he was going to do, and in his mind, there was 0% chance that it wasn't going to work out in the way he had envisioned it, right? There are a lot of athletes, like take Conor McGregor, for example, that are so mentally tough, they can see the situation in their head before it actually happens, and then they just succeed. And that's almost what we saw with Kyle Freeland. Any of his coaches, he's described as the same way. He is a bulldog on the mound. He cannot be phased. He cannot be shook. And that's what we saw last night. It's not easy to go in Chicago in front of 42-some-odd thousand people with that loud, raucous crowd in a wild card game, no less, with a kid that doesn't really have that type of experience to come out and succeed. And he did it 100%. So when I look at the Rockies right now, they just came out of the longest elimination game, do or die, win or go home, in Major League Playoff history. So the first question is, how does this affect the Rockies going into the rest of the playoffs, right? Are they going to be tired? because they had to play a wild card game, or is this going to be a momentum builder? In my opinion, for the Colorado Rockies, this is going to be a huge momentum builder for them because they've just played a historic wild card game. They called upon their stud pitcher on short notice, and he set an example on that mound with his mound presence and his performance, and that will bleed all the way down to the rest of the starting rotation, the bullpen, and the starting lineup. And the rest of the bullpen that came out, they pitched a guy last night that closed out the game, Scott Oberg. I've never heard of him in my life. You probably haven't either, but he pitched an inning and a third and struck out all four batters he faced. There was not a bullpen guy from the Rockies that came out on the mound that seemed shook at all. Adam Ottavino, he's the guy, the Rockies reliever, that gave up the soul run, and he even pitched himself out of a jam pretty damn good. And it's almost as if this game that the Colorado Rockies went through, it's this is a team that doesn't have a lot of postseason experience, but it's like they just got two years worth of postseason experience in one wild card game, and that's going to be huge as they march up to Miller Park for this best of five in the National League Division Series. I believe at, at this point right now, with what I saw out of the Colorado Rockies and what I believe this game did, for the Colorado Rockies, I predicted the Colorado Rockies are going to win this series against the Milwaukee Brewers. I don't know how many games it's going to take, but I do know this. What the Colorado Rockies did was impressive. This Cubs team, yeah, they scored two runs in their last 22 innings, but this is a good team. And this is a team where if you don't watch out, they can break off a couple touchdowns on you before you know it. But this Rockies team, my one takeaway from last night is they were cool, calm, and collected and knew exactly what they were doing. Kyle Freeland seems to be a pitcher that's built for October. And I can say this, with a team that's got a true number one which the Rockies have, and anytime your team has a true number one that you know is not going to let you down in October, that's going to be key. And I don't know that 
the Milwaukee Brewers can do, that any pitcher on the Brewers can do what Kyle Freeland can do, I don't think that's possible. And then the Rockies also have a guy, Herman Marquez, who his last regular season start set a major league record and struck out the first eight guys he saw in a row, right? The ninth guy was obviously the pitcher, and he didn't strike out the pitcher. I think the pitcher reached on an error, but then the next guy, Herman Marquez, struck out. So he had nine strikeouts through three innings, right? The guys got heat, and they've got some young pitchers on here, right? John Gray, John Gray can be bad or be good, which is probably what it's going to be out of a number three starter. And then the Rockies also have a guy called Antonio Sensatella, yeah, that's what he's called. I don't know why I said they have a guy called Antonio Sensatella. That's his name. And he's had a couple good starts this year. You know, I saw him in my fantasy football league, which I dominated in one. So shout out. If you're listening to this, shout out to me, Quentin McCree. I beat you at fantasy league baseball if you were in my league. So I'm sorry. Feel free to come back next year and get your butt kicked because I'm really good at what I do. But it's only because I'm a nerd and I have no life and I just look at baseball players and baseball numbers and, you know, like, for example, two of my last big additions on my fantasy team were Adalberto Adalberto Mondesi and Ryan O'Hearn. You probably don't know who those guys are. You also probably don't know who Brandon Lau is, and you maybe know who Joey Wendell is. Added all those guys to my fantasy team as well, man. So that's kind of what I did there. But what the hell was I talking about? Oh, about how good the Rockies are. Oh, they got the guy called Antonio Sensatella. He can pitch pretty good, too. Uh, the bullpen's got good guys. Wade Davis looks like Wade Davis. I don't have to tell you about the postseason pedigree of that guy. But between like Wade Davis, Adam Adovino, this Scott Oberg guy, and then they got another guy named Russin who, his name was Chris Russin, I think. He pitched to almost a touchdown ERA in the regular season. I don't really know how good that guy's going to be. Um, other bullpen guys, they've got the, uh, I'm waiting for my webpage to load up, Sang Wan O. That's the, uh, he's like a, I don't think he's a side armor, but he might sling a little sideways possibly. He, he was a Cardinal for a while. He had a real good outing last night against the Cubs. And also, I mean, I, I watched him pitch a lot for the Cardinals and he, he's a good pitcher as well. So, you know, when you look at who these guys have in their bullpen, I mean, Jake McGee, huge bullpen piece. This is a Colorado Rockies team that I think spent a record amount on their bullpen in the offseason. And generally what the MO is with a Colorado Rockies team is they always have the offense, right? So we can go all the way back to like the good old days in 94, 95, whenever, when you've got like Vinny Castilla, Andres Galarraga, Larry Walker, Dante Bichette, right? Sluggers are known to come out of, you know, the Colorado Rockies system. They just breed them. And... Probably because, yeah, they play where there's no gravity, but it's the Colorado Rockies, the pitching, are like the Chicago Bears to having a quarterback, right? They have certain strengths that always play in their system. With the Bears, it might be defense, and with the Rockies, it's offense. That's just what it is, and the pitching just has never showed up. They just... I guess in their system, they it's just hard for them to build a lot of pitching, but they made a ton of investments in the bullpen. 
And now this is a team that actually has starting pitching, and they actually have a number one ace who isn't a product of anything other than just being really good because pitching in Coors Field and having a sub-three earned run average is like the equivalent of getting on a rocket ship and flying to the moon or winning Powerball, right? Those things just aren't likely, but like sometimes like shit happens. Well, Kyle Freeland's kind of like, oh, shit just happened now because, oh, you know, the I got it. Holy crap, it just hit me. The Colorado Rockies being able to pitch is like Happy Gilmore being able to putt. Like, Shooter McGavin's got a problem now because look who can pitch. The Colorado Rockies, they can pitch now. It's pretty serious stuff. Let me look at my list. I'm going to see anything else. Other than that, I'm just... I'm real, I really like the Colorado Rockies right now just because what they've been through, the grind that they've been through, literally playing three games in three days in three different time zones, going through like the anxiety, heartbreak, well not heartbreak, but the crazy ride that was one of the best wild card games you'll ever see. I think that's going to be good for this team going forward in the postseason and I think the St. Louis Cardinals won the World Series as a wild card team. And, and the San Francisco Giants won the World Series as a wildcard team. And I think the 2014 Kansas City Royals went to the World Series as a wildcard team. So being a wildcard team and finding this rare success, not just winning the wildcard game, but doing it like in this statement fashion is huge for a team. So watch out for the Colorado Rockies, especially since Matt Holiday is back in the purple, and I think that is a huge addition. I don't think anyone could have envisioned that, you know, from last season with Matt Holiday being a Yankee and playing good and then having, like, severe mercury poisoning. I never thought Matt Holiday would come back, but not only is he back, but he's back with the Rockies. And, I mean, he was a statement piece to the Colorado Rockies in their 07 run to the World Series. Obviously, the tiebreaker game, he scores the run against the Padres to win the division, literally face plants into home plate. And that adding Matt Holliday to the Colorado Rockies is one of those human element additions when it talks about drive and determination and meaningful moves that don't show up on the spreadsheet that I really like with the Colorado Rockies. And especially with ownership and management spending so much money on the bullpen, it really does show a belief in the team. And it's because of all of these things that I really like the Rockies right now against the Milwaukee Brewers. I think they'll win the series. Let me make sure I'm not missing anything else. I think we'll go ahead and close the show out. If you've made it this far, you've made it about 30 minutes. Um, I guess the only thing I'm going to say is I'm going to close out a couple National League wildcard things. I know... Earlier in this season, Cole Hamels really kind of said the Brewers and the Cubs weren't a rivalry. Well, they are now. They're a huge rivalry. And for that being said, I because my team lost, I still love the wild card game more than anything. I, I'll explore, which I have on this podcast, about expanding the playoff format. But I don't really want anything to change because... The wild card game, like I said, to me is the best thing going on in sports. Like a do or die in baseball, it adds so much just high leverage decisions and moves. And it's like the ultimate chess match. And I love it. The wild card game's great. Um, One of the things that's quite alarming with the Chicago Cubs is 39 times 
in the regular season, they scored one run or fewer. The only team that did that more was the Baltimore Orioles, and they did it 40 times. And they also lost 115 games. So the Chicago Cubs 39 times this season, and the Baltimore Orioles 40 times this season, scored one run or less. That's really alarming. So I'm not saying fire Joe Madden, but possibly fire Chili Davis because Chili Davis was let go in Boston because they had a weak offense. And the Cubs at one point were known just for bashing baseballs. And now it's almost like maybe they're hitting less home runs and they're scoring less runs and they can't really score runs when they need to. This is a Chicago Cubs team that maybe they're just not really good at situational hitting because when they're hitting home runs, they're scoring a lot of runs. But when the Chicago Cubs just need to get a guy on base, they can't do it. And so the fundamental change for the Chicago Cubs isn't really a change in management. I just think all of these guys that have been through hell together need to get together and they need to be honest with themselves. Right? Don't sugarcoat this shit. The glass isn't half full. The glass is half empty because this team came around in 2015 and they've officially regressed. And it's going to be a lot of accountability in the offseason for these guys. I still think John Lester is one of the best postseason pitchers you'll ever see. Do not fire Joe Madden. The Brewers are really good. Christian Yelich will be your National League MVP. And I do definitely think that managers need to keep sabermetrics in the top of their mind. But I feel like for these teams that didn't succeed this year and, you know, the teams that undershot their expectations and really just didn't do what anyone thought they were going to do, they played below their standards. I, I think that happens because it's too much data and not enough human element, not enough of looking at what's happening now and riding that hot hand. I'll say it again, looking for that beautiful athletic sports moment of just that athlete that's putting everything on the line and knowing in that moment that I know what the back of their baseball card says, but they're on something right now. And they're writing that emotion, and that, that, that's about what it is. You know, the data and the spreadsheets aren't going to tell you about emotion. I love the data and the spreadsheets, but I think managers who have teams that aren't playing up to their potential, I think they're missing that emotion. I think they're missing that human element. They're missing riding that hot hand. They're missing the Michael Jordan flu game. And that's what I love. The most beautiful thing in the world possibly is an athletic event when you have an athlete who is doing super human things. And that's what we've got to watch out for. Throw the spreadsheets out sometimes and look for the person that's doing superhuman things. Look for the person that's in that right moment mentally because there's so much mental that goes in the sport. And when they're supremely motivated, throw the spreadsheets out the window and let them go. You are listening to The Greatest Show on Dirt. You can leave us a review on iTunes, Google Play, or Facebook. Leave us a five-star review. Tell us you love us. Screenshot that review. Send it to us through a direct message. On And you can send us a direct message on Twitter, Facebook, uh, things like that. Yeah, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can send us a direct message. We're on Twitter at Greatest on Dirt. We're on Facebook 
at Greatest on Dirt, and we're on Instagram at Greatest Show on Dirt. So if you leave us a review, a good review, five stars with a comment, screenshot it, we'll send you a couple stickers out to say thanks for supporting the show and thanks for listening. Because to be honest with you, if you're listening to me rant for like 45 minutes and you're not getting your free stickers, you're stupid. Because if you're going to listen to my shit for nearly an hour, you deserve a few stickers. God bless your heart. I'll send you a handful of stickers. Just leave a damn review. Other than that, thank you so much for listening. We're going to try to record probably uh, in a couple days, so we'll go over the Yankees and A's game tonight. And the uh, National League Division Series kicks off on Thursday, which is tomorrow. And then the American League Division Series kicks off on Friday, so it's going to be a phenomenal October. Other than that, thank you so much for listening. You guys have an awesome night. Take care.